the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Tim Albright with an AV Nation special looking at and understanding uh, AV over IP. Uh, I'm your host for this. Uh, with me today, uh, a couple individuals that I, I want to kind of bring in here and then we'll kind of uh, break down this white paper. First and foremost, um, Anne Aaron, uh, PhD. Uh, she is the president of Telemanagement Resource International and a founding chairperson of the IMCCA. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Good to be here. Thank you all. Also, um, also with me is Mr. Dan Jackson. He is the director of enterprise technology with Crestron. Welcome, sir. Hey, good to see you again. Good to see you, man. Um, so, real quickly, uh, we're going to kind of break this down. You guys uh, put together a white paper, and, and you you did the white paper um, talking about uh, and evaluating AV over IP. And this is something that comes up and is coming up um, increasingly. Uh, we're recording this right before Infocom 2019. Folks are going to see a lot of this, right, on, on the show floor. Um, they're going to see some of it's going to be marketing, right, quite frankly. Um, uh, smoke and mirrors, some of it's not. Um, but help, let's help people kind of understand exactly what it is that they are looking at and how to evaluate a, a good system and how to evaluate what it is they need. Uh, you state in the, in the paper, though, that 40% uh, or you can, uh, an AV over IP system can reduce an overall system cost by 40%. How do they do it? How, how is that possible? Uh, really, when, when you, the, the way we all came to this, this number of 40% is that we, uh, uh, you know, together with Anne, basically break down the costs of AV over IP into five main areas, right? So there's a couple of ones that, you know, are very upfront and the ones we debate all the time. So endpoint cost, great. Everybody knows what your AV over IP endpoint costs, just as you did in the HD based T world. Um, switch costs, right? That ends up becoming a big debate point. You know, what, what are the costs of the, the actual switching infrastructure? And one of the surprising things about switch cost is that it is actually much more driven by your need for enterprise-grade features than it is necessarily by, by speed, right? It's also driven by speed, but, you know, you can get a one gig switch that, you know, could either be $100 or it could be, you know, $3,000. And you can get a 10 gig switch that could be $2,000 or it could be $10,000 and even, you know, far outside those ranges. So there's a, there's a pretty big range uh, in your switch cost. Um, but those are two very upfront costs of devices that are very easy to calculate. I think what, what lies under the fold a little bit more in terms of driving costs that people don't think about is the cost of, of the infrastructure, meaning the cables. Um, and that's not necessarily the cost of the actual cable because that, you know, is probably pretty negligible in these systems. It does, it does add in, especially when you go to fiber, but really more the cost of labor installing new cabling, um, and frankly, just being able to get into new cabling. Um, when you look at the amount of cabling that's out there in the world, um, the just thousands and millions of miles of Cat5e and Cat6, um, it enables a lot of, of interesting scenarios, um, and it's effectively free when it's already sitting there. Um, whereas newer cabling standards obviously are, are, you know, a lot more times have to be pulled. Um, and then just management tools and other things. And so when you wrap all those five areas of cost together um, and you are able to actually converge onto the, the corporate network, meaning 
You don't have to worry about the switch costs because they're borne by, by infrastructure that's already in place. You don't have to worry about pulling new cable because it's already in place. You can save 40% compared to an equivalent HD-based-T system. Um, and that's, that's really pretty incredible because that's a, that's a huge amount of money uh, on, a, on an individual job. And so even forgoing all of the benefits of AV over IP, it's econo economically way in your favor to go that direction uh, anyways. Well, let's talk about the that you know, living on on the production land. The production land meaning you know the, the existing infrastructure, the existing uh, network that the corporation uses. What are you guys finding when it comes to your customers, the dealers that are putting this in? What, do you have a percentage or a sense of how many times they are actually able to use the production land versus putting uh, putting together a private network? I would say it probably breaks down into uh, there's probably a third of people that use the production land as it goes in, like that is the plan from the beginning and that's exactly what they do. There's probably about a third that do, you know, dedicated networks. You know, it's just designed as a separate network. Effectively, they're treating it like it's a, it's a matrix switch, but it just happens to be uh, networking gear. Um, and then there's probably about a third that go in as a separate system, but with the explicit plan that this will then become part of the main network. And so, you know, they just may not be ready for it at this moment. And a lot of the big deciding factors really don't have much to do with, um, you know, the, the requirements to go on the main network, um, though those do drive it. It really comes down to, you know, how is the organization set up? Who's responsible for maintaining this? Who's responsible for maintaining the other parts of the network? And that internal structure of a customer will decide, you know, do I want this to be a separate thing under a separate owner? Or do I want this, you know, folded under my networking team? I also think to add to that, Tim, over the years, there's been somewhat of a fear factor in the minds of some of the IT people that when you introduce something new, that you're going to have a negative impact on their network. And we look at that as when we think of the old days of video conferencing, when they initially said, you're not putting that on my network because you're going to cause my network to crash. So I think there's a portion of those people that are saying, I'm not quite sure I totally understand AV over IP and what impact it's going to have. So they sit back and wait and test it and then fold it in. And I agree with Dan, uh, headcount and staffing is another huge issue associated with this. So part of the reason we did this paper was twofold. We wanted people to understand what AV over IP means. And then we wanted to be able to help, help them evaluate the availability and deployment of AV over IP. So we find with the paper that's been out for a few weeks now, we get three groups of people. We get the people who say, I need to understand it. We get the people who say, I need to deploy it. And we get the people who say, I need both. So how do we get them to the point where they're comfortable evaluating it, either on their own or in partnership with, with a trusted partner? I think part of it's driven by application and need. I think when you get to the point where you're putting technology and media over bandwidth that needs more robust bandwidth, or you're dealing with organizations that have older network that know they're going to have to upgrade anyways, that's the time to automatically look at this. And I have one client who historically has fairly old IT, um, not as robust as it should be. And the push for them was their public relations and corporate television group who had a lot of media they needed to send between their New Jersey location and New York, and they couldn't get it over their regular network. So they had to upgrade just so honestly so they could have a, a proper workflow. 
that and also what's happened in the last few years are people are coming to work with devices, mobile, tablet, et cetera, that they can do things at home and elsewhere that they're not able to do at work. And they're saying, why can I exchange all this media at home or elsewhere, but I can't do it in the office. Yeah, so we've forced IT from an application perspective to look more at this technology. Well, let's kind of drill down on that. You, you mentioned a, a, a media, you know, pushing media across the network. Uh, what sort of verticals um, are you finding that AV over IP is, is best able to capitalize on? Well, I think anybody who has an HD-based T solution, whether it's corporate or education or home, has an application. Uh, you know, the biggest advantage are when you're building larger systems, obviously, because we're looking at, you know, cost effectiveness here. But I don't think there's an application out there that isn't looking at it today, partially because we've had the convergence more and more of AV and IT, and partially because AV technology has become IT capable. And you're getting to the point where we all have to sing together and play together. It's not the old days where IT used to say, I got your network to the wall in your room, bye-bye. It's now I've got technology on my network that's IT-capable technology. I need to become educated on that, and I need to find the best way to deploy these technologies that's robust and cost-effective. I like that term, sing to together. I've, I had not heard that yet. Uh, I've heard play together, certainly, and work together. But sing together. No, it's, it's, in all honesty, that, that brings up a very different visualization, doesn't it? Where it's not just necessarily working together or playing well together. We have to harmonize, right? Yeah, and I would say, you know, to, to the, your question about are people ready and how do they evaluate it, I would say the, the AV guys within these companies are almost entirely ready, right? Because uh, I think there's a lot of people that are really looking for what's next. You know, Crestron introduced a product called the MPS, which was sort of an all-in-one presentation switcher product that I think sort of kicked off that the new way of designing systems. We introduced that in 2006. And then, of course, we made it digital with the DMPS. But that idea of sort of this holistic presentation switcher that does everything in your room, and that's, that's the way I'm going to design rooms, that's been going on for, you know, was it 13 years now? And a lot of people are asking, well, what's next, right? You know, what's going to be the next big thing? I want to make sure that I'm on top of it. And so I think there's a lot of appetite to, to look forward in the, in the AV space. I think to Anne's earlier point, though, it's the IT guys, you know, their, their first answer is always no, right? Because they're, they're cautious. Look, they're, they're responsible for, you know, four or five nines of uptime on, the, on their network. And when the network stops, the business stops in a, in a modern corporation. So there's very good reasons for that. Um, but it, it's basically those two groups, the, the AV side of the business deploying it and then, can, you know, showing the IT group that it is an okay thing to have on your network. And there's something else that, that not every AV person knows, but the, those IT directors, the higher up you get, obviously, uh, their bonus structure, their pay is based on uptime, right? So they are very cautious when it comes to putting new things on, on the network. Back to Ann's point about, you know, not necessarily understanding this and, and understanding how it impacts. So not only do they have a, a responsibility to make sure that the network is up, they have, they have a financial responsibility as well to make sure that the, the network has a, a very high uptime. But let me add to that because I think this is an important point. Not only do they need to make sure the network is up, but they need to make sure the network is robust enough to meet the business needs. Yep. And that's where I think some of them fail. And I've had clients do end runs around IT by going the cable modem route as an example and saying, you're not giving me enough bandwidth. I've got to get bandwidth. I'm going to find another way to get it. If you don't 
keep suffering from analysis paralysis and not deploying what we need when we need it. So I think business drive is another issue, whether it's education or corporate, the fact that we're trying to get something accomplished. Uh, let's actually help them for a second here and drill down into the metrics. Um, what are the metrics in, when you're evaluating uh, an AV over IP system? So we dug into this and the paper shows, shows all of the, you know, the things we went through, right? So if you want the super detail, I would say, look at the paper, but from a very high level, we tried to put objective criteria around everything because there's a lot of subjective analysis, you know, to say, I need video quality like, like X or I need 10 gig to get a, a video quality number. Well, what is that video quality number? Because you don't necessarily, nobody wants to require more bandwidth, right? Requiring more bandwidth in people's minds is really driven by, I need video quality, right? And so therefore they think they need bandwidth. And so what we put in there is, is some real objective video tests that you can run because even within, certainly within the one gig space, there's a huge variability in quality, right? You can't just look at one gig as sort of an equivalent types of systems in terms of quality, right? You know, a Corolla and a Porsche are both cars, right? Vastly different uh, in terms of performance. Um, and so we, we put evaluation criteria in there. And this is where it really Crestron helped out on part of the paper by having the equipment to really, you know, benchmark these systems, you know, in detail, because unfortunately for folks in the field, if you really want to get down to the detailed, detailed benchmarks, you need relatively expensive equipment. But fortunately, it's not that hard to do some real, real world objective evaluations. And, and so some of those things are, you know, putting spreadsheet content on there. Um, we have some torture test spreadsheets that we will put on there too that, you know, are multicolored with text in every cell. And I hope you never have to work with a spreadsheet like that in real life, but it gives you sort of a worst case scenario that you can use to benchmark these again. Um, with, there's also high complexity images that you can put on there that are sometimes called JPEG torture test images because it's a lot of really fine detail. Um, and you can go and look at these images and evaluate it and know that if, if it looks good in that case, which is the worst case, well, then it's certainly going to work uh, for your customer. And so th there's the idea of putting that real objective video criteria out there. Um, but a couple, the other things that are almost more important is, you know, will this be device actually be accepted on the network? Because if it can't get on the network, well, then <laughs> guess what? You can't put it in at all. Um, and so being able to conform to those IT standards that are required to be on the network is important. And of course, the IT standards change from customer to customer, right? Some customers are moving to a network that requires 8021X. Other customers aren't there yet. Some customers require, you know, password management schemes through LDAP or, or Active Directory to, to get rid of the whole admin, admin, password issue. Other customers probably should be requiring that but aren't yet. <laughs> um, and, and so it's, it's being able to actually put it on the network. And then, of course, there's things like cost, right? You've got to do that cost analysis because... The greatest system in the world, if it's if it's priced too high, um, isn't going to work out. Yeah, not for everybody. Um, and I want to drill down on something that Dan just mentioned: the fact that that's the the, the security concerns of, of, of these devices. These are still network appliances, right? In the, in the the vernacular of, of an IT professional, these are, are network appliances. They're on the network. They have IP addresses. Um, they are accessible in some way, shape, or form. Uh, how, what, what are some of the, the, the security concerns that, that customers are, are you know, expressing and, and how do we address that in an AV over IP uh, system? 
Well, I think first and foremost is to talk to the vendors providing the technology to determine how secure the technology they've developed is. But more importantly, I think the customer has to have a plan in place for how they do the people aspects of security. You know, we've, we've had many horrible horror stories where somebody from the outside has come in with a laptop to connect to an internal network and the problem from a secure standpoint came from that external laptop, had nothing to do with the internal network. So I think the thing the customer has to do is set in their minds, as Dan just said, what do they want as their requirements and are the devices they're selecting meeting those requirements? And that requires them to drill down with the vendors they're dealing with. And quite honestly, a lot of the vendors out there offering technology, if they don't meet security requirements, they're not gonna be around long. We hope not, <laughs> at least we hope not. Um, let's kind of get into a little bit another, not metric, but it's a comparison and contrast. And, and you know, full disclosure, you know, uh, Crestron is an underwriter of AV Nation. You guys have a one gig solution. That is, that is your solution. Um, how do, then do you, do you, when you talk to customers, do you have that conversation between one gig and 10 gig? So let me start by saying, I, I hate the one gig, 10 gig comparison, though it, it is the first comparison that people throw out there because that doesn't actually tell you anything about the device other than no. what sort of infrastructure it requires, what right? So we've reduced this, this complex product analysis to one dimension, right? <laughs> and, and secondly, it doesn't even tell you what sort of video, like what we should be talking about is what's the video quality you need? Because nobody wants to do 10 gig, right? I don't want to require 10 times the infrastructure. I don't, I don't want a car that gets three miles a gallon instead of 30. You know, if I, if that's what's required to get the job done, well then, okay, then that's what you need. But you know, that's not where you want to start. Where you want to start is, you know, at least in terms of the, the, the bandwidth context, you want to start in the, in the context of video quality. Right. And so I feel like that's where we've really elevated the game because, you know, uh, with the, the update that we did in January of this year, um, I would contend we have the highest quality AV over IP solution out there. And we'll, we'll go up in a shootout against any 10 gig solution all day long. Um, and that's really what it's about is the video quality, frankly, um, because what you're doing is you're replacing an HD based T system, which was extremely high quality, which was meant to, you know, effectively mimic a directly connected monitor, which is extremely high quality. So if you can't deliver on, on that sort of need, well, then you're not, you're not actually providing the right solution for your customers. And I think that's where there's a big difference between the needs of those type of systems and like an IPTV system. You know, IPTV system, you generally need to be able to see the video content that's coming through. You're not looking, you know, at a highly detailed spreadsheet on, a, on an IPTV system. Um, but we've got to be able to do both. You've got to be able to do the video content and you've got to be able to do the really detailed content. You, you do understand the comparison and contrast, right? You why the market in general and, and you know, integrators and, and folks like me will take a look and ask that question and ask, you know, how we can, can compare and contrast a one gig versus a 10 gig. I understand what you're saying when it comes to the video quality, but you do understand why that, 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 that comparison is so easily made. And that's why a lot of folks will start there because that that's the base, right? That is the, the core uh, is, is the type of network you're running on. Right, right. But it's not, you know, it, it should be requirements drive the, drive the network infrastructure, not the other way around, okay. right? You know, here's the business need and drive it. And I get, look, it's the easiest way to necessarily group the solutions because to my earlier point, 
it requires time and effort and, and stuff to evaluate these things in detail. And not everybody, you know, I would contend almost nobody has access to all this equipment to actually sit there on a bench and benchmark all these things against each other, right? So in lieu of being able to do that, you back off to the, well, it's a one gig or it's a 10 gig type solution. And it doesn't help that, you know, you have some manufacturers out there that are, that are sort of splitting it that way. They'll, they'll have both lines and be like, we have one gig for when you need it. But then of course you need 10 gig in some scenarios. So you get enough manufacturers out there saying you need 10 gig. Well, then of course people are going to think you need 10 gig for certain things. Um, and we're out there saying you don't, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll throw out the benchmark results to, to prove that. Yeah, so I think to boil it down, Tim, customers need to say to them, you know, do I get the video performance I need? And that's not only video, but data, of course. Will it be accepted on my network? And what does it cost? And I think those are three very important points. And depending on what I'm doing, will I be limited on how I want to use my AV over IP system because I can only run it on a dedicated wiring system? So I, I think people need to sit back and, and we've done this with technology for time immemorial. Somebody comes out with a new buzzword, a new technology, and everybody jumps on a bandwagon and says, oh, I have to have this. Well, do you really? I think you need to sit back and say, why? What's the cost of it? How do I deploy it? And what am I going to get out of it? That actually brings us to, to our, next, our next kind of uh, se se section I want to I drill on down here. And that is the cost of these things, right? How do you... How do you accurately help you know your clients or, or you know how do integrators help their clients really kind of drill down and, and figure out the total cost of ownership of an AV over IP system? Well I think I'd start by saying AV over IP offers you flexibility. You know it can grow and change with you. And I think that's important over time. And I'll let Dan address what Crestron is doing with, with the NVX in it. But I think the bottom line is you need something that's robust. You need something that's flexible and you need something that allows you to grow over time with technology. Yeah, I think one of the main advantages of AV over IP is, is that flexibility to Ant's point. So we've seen, and we've seen customers really put a, a high premium on that. So, you know, we have a product line called DM Lite, which is, you know, basically low cost, you know, point to point transmitters and receivers. And there's been a, a number of scenarios where customers have, effectively said, no, I don't want to do DM light. I'm going to do NVX in this scenario, even though, you know, it's a point to point scenario and NVX is, you know, approximately two to three times the price for a basic point to point scenario. But the flexibility of NVX is so important to them. The idea that like, oh, somebody comes in, you know, next year and says, I want to add a second display, or I want to add another laptop input, or I want to be able to use this for overflow, you know, twice a year or the, the president's address or whatever it is that flexibility is worth a, a premium. And I think that is, you know, you, from a system designer's perspective, when you look at designing an HD based T system, the name of the game, look, we're, we're in a matrix switcher, uh, you know, a competitive scenario, we sell a bunch of matrix switchers. It was always what size do you have? You know, does it have the exact right features? You know, a lot of these AV designs were all based around what size matrix switch do you need? And that drove everything else. And we're moving to a scenario where, guess what? I'm not constricted by that, which means it can be very flexible. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get to the 90-yard line or the 10-yard line on my design and, like, have to rip it up and go do something else because they added a ninth output. Like, that's not a thing that you, you run into anymore. So there's a lot of flexibility from that perspective. And I think there's also 
a demand for flexibility being driven by the end users. And we see this all going all the way back to the furniture market, right? So if you look at, you know, not to like, you know, go bigger, bigger picture, higher level, but when you go to like the type of pitches that companies like Steelcase and Herman Miller are doing in the furniture space, it's the idea that furniture is extremely flexible because you don't know what your workplace is going to look like in 10 years, let alone five or sorry, five years, let alone 10. So there's that demand is being, being driven all the way down to us to like, let's put in this system, but yeah, we have no idea what type of system we're going to need in five years, but that's okay because we can, we can mix it up and we can change it around. So, um, I think that, you know, you can calculate TCO just based on like, Hey, these many transmitters and receivers, and that's the cost of the system. But the flexibility does really change that dynamic because I'm never going to have to just rip something out because it wasn't the, it wasn't the right thing or I needed a bigger system. Yeah. That, that ninth input, not only does it always get you, um, as a programmer and as a designer, but also as a customer, right? Um, there is, um, the, the change order, um, evils that happen on job sites, you know, everywhere where, you know, yeah, somebody comes in and says, Hey, can we add this? Or, Hey, we just thought of this or somebody just, you know, wants this now. Well, in, in the, the old rule world of, you know, fixed matrices, then yes, we can add that certainly, but not only is that a change order, but it's also, you know, like you said, ripping out, you know, depending on, on where you are ripping out and putting in, you know, a much bigger matrix that then, you know, instead of doing an eight by eight, suddenly you're doing a 16 by 16 and you're not using seven of the, of those. So, yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, and we'll start with you on this. If you were consulting uh, someone in IT, an IT director or um, admin, and they're thinking of putting AV on, on the network, what would you tell them? First thing I tell all of them is step back and do an evaluation of how your users are working. I think they fall into a trap of thinking that they know, and they honestly don't. And I've done enough of this over time that I can tell you when we actually go talk to users, the applications they have in mind, most often the IT department said I had no idea. They don't spend enough time with the businesses finding out how they work and how they want to work, and more importantly, what frustrates them. So I would tell them to start there. Then I would say that AV over IP is massively powerful, but don't fall into the trap of just replacing your existing HD-based T system. It's a far more creative, flexible technology with AV over IP, and I think they need to look at applications for future. For instance, and this is spelled out in the paper, IPTV, digital signage, streaming. There are all kinds of other things they can be using those networks for. And that's why I think they've got to get away from saying, I'm replacing network A with network B and step back and focus on what's the business doing today? What's frustrating our users? What do they think they want to do tomorrow? And oh, by the way, I think the other thing they can do, because we're no longer bleeding edge with all these technologies, is educate everybody on how others in their industry or across the world are using these technologies effectively. All right, Dan, what would you, how would you advise an IT director? So, you know, I, I, I really, really like what Ann said there. I think it's, it's important to really step back and think of the applications. Um, but I would also say from a support perspective, right, a lot of, a lot of people will do these sort of 
uh, piecemeal designs in AV, right? The, the old way of doing AP is we have this, this much capital budget. So you do this many rooms this year, the next we'll worry about next year, next year. And then you do like a, a slightly different design on it. But all of these were sort of independent systems that really didn't have anything to do with one another. They weren't centrally monitored in a, in a, in a good way. Um, I think if you can think, if you can really plan ahead about how you're going to support this and, and stop treating it like all these individual discrete, you know, potentially different systems and treating it as a bigger system, you're going to be much more successful in supporting it. You know, you would never put in an IPTV system from five different manufacturers over a period of five years, right? You go in and put in an IPTV system and you expand it over time as you have more needs, but you, you treat it as a holistic system. Same thing with your rolling out something like Skype for business. Um, AV over IP is, is very much the same way. Treat it like it's a much bigger system. Now you don't necessarily have to route the traffic all throughout your network and do this 100% convergence, so there is value there. Um, but if you treat it like a much bigger system that you're supporting at a, at a centralized level, you're going to be extremely successful in, uh, in rolling it out and keeping it running. Very good. That'll be a good place to, to, to end there. Uh, thank you both so much. Anne Aaron, uh, PhD. She's the president of Telemanagement Resource International, as well as the founding chairperson for IMCCA. Thank you, ma'am. Pleased to be with you today, Tim. How do people get a hold of you if they are so inclined? Erin, A-N-N-E-A-R-O-N at AOL.com, or you can go to www.triinc.com. Thank you so much. And Mr. Dan Jackson, Director of Enterprise Technology for Crestron. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you very much, Tim. And how do you get a hold of you or Crestron? Uh, djackson at crestron.com, or you can stalk me on LinkedIn. All right, very good. And, and you can go by their website, crestron.com. Uh, for us, for AV Nation, you can buy the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, by the other programs such as this, as well as our two weekly programs, all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv.